You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We're here till midnight. Harvey and Chantel along for the ride. And of course, we'll be joined by a couple of guests. Uh, Christian Winfield of the Daily News. He covers the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA. He'll join us at 9 o'clock. And Jay Bromley will break down who will be our Super Bowl by then. He'll join us in the 10 o'clock hour, so we'll know who's going to the Super Bowl. We have one team already in, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Giant fans, miserable right now. I get it. I understand. Jalen Hurts had one of Philadelphia's four rushing touchdowns, 31-7 win over San Francisco, their fourth Super Bowl appearance, first since winning Super Bowl 52 in February uh, 2018. And this was a crazy game. And it really speaks to injuries. It speaks to level of play. It speaks to discipline. Not seeing this 49ers team a lot this season. And we'll get to Brock Purdy and the injuries and Josh Johnson in a second. I've seen them a lot this season. And the amount of penalties that they suffered, although a couple of them you have to raise your eyebrow at. I mean, the one for punching the football. Stop. (laughs) Okay, stop. That's not, I mean, really, he's trying to get the football loose. The defense understands that with their situation, the quarterback, they have to try to find a way to score. So they have to try to get a turnover or something to spur on to get some points. They're desperate. They're trying to win. This is a shot at the Super Bowl going here. So I thought they were a bit excessive excessive with the, with the penalties. Nevertheless. The Niners did not play smart football. They made a bunch of mistakes, and that did not help them. For Brock Purdy, it is as bad a situation, and for the Niners, as you can have. I mean, this is your third-string guy. This is the guy that's gotten you here. And then he goes out with an elbow injury. And then you bring in your fourth stringer in Josh Johnson, who struggled. But then he goes out with a concussion, and now you're stuck. Because it's clear that Purdy can't throw the football with any distance at all. Can't do it. And so you just have to – I mean, what else can you do? Josh Johnson was your fourth-string quarterback. I mean, there's nothing else you could do. I mean, you try the Wildcat for a moment with McCaffrey, and it's just – it's – it's a really tough situation for you to suffer in the NFC Championship game. But that's what happened. But aside from the quarterback play, once again, for the Niners, just did, just did not play smart football. A lot of defensive penalties that extended Philadelphia's drives and took away points for you and opportunities for you to get more guys on the field and more points. So... Listen, the Eagles, who have been really the best team in the NFC all season, ends up in the Super Bowl. The Niners are going to go home shaking their heads for really a a tough way to go home. I mean, to not even have a chance. I mean, you had no chance. If you're the Niners, you had no chance whatsoever of winning that game with a quarterback that can't throw. Can't do it. Especially as you got further and further behind. Give Jalen Hurts credit. He performed well. 
ran the ball a little bit more in the second half. Philadelphia is, I mean, <laughs> and there's a little luck too. Okay, the first, the opening drive where they get to play that would look like a tremendous catch, and really the effort was great. He just didn't maintain. And once again, and I've said this before, can we make up our minds what is a catch and what isn't? I mean, if you go that, first of all, you tell me a ground can't cause a fumble, but a ground can cause an incomplete pass. Because as he caught the ball, he had it. He rolls down. He's up in the air. You know, it. it I guess you just, as a receiver, you know you have to really hold on to the football to make sure that it does not move as you get to the ground. And as it turns out, smart play by Philadelphia. They ran it before the, the uh, sideline for San Francisco could have a chance to review it and throw the red flag, and so that's how they got there for a score. We are at halftime of the AFC Championship game, Kansas City with a 13-6 lead over Cincinnati. And I thought for the Kansas City defense, this was a big drive that they were only able to give up three. Because with a couple of plays, a couple of penalties on this drive, they could have taken the momentum away and just made this, you know, much closer. A field goal difference. So they only give up. It's still a one-score difference. But it's 13-6. And ultimately, listen, when you have these two offenses, both Kansas City and Cincinnati, you need more than threes. You'll be you'll be fighting to catch up to try to get points all the time, because these these teams put points on the board. They pressure your defense. Defensive coordinators do not sleep, knowing you're facing Kansas City and Cincinnati, even with a compromised Patrick Mahomes, even with inconsistencies on the offensive line for Cincinnati which I think Steve Spagnuolo has done a nice job in the first half to try to keep them off balance a little bit because you're not going to take everything away, but you take away as much as you can. Each driver, you keep making adjustments. And so at halftime, to have a seven-point lead, listen, Kansas City is a little lucky because they should have they should have gotten sevens, but they did not. So we'll keep an eye on that game for you, obviously, until the end, and we'll find out what's going on there and, uh, you know, get you caught up. For Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers, but let's just talk about Brock Purdy. The sixth offensive snap in the game, pass rush loss, and it was so bad that you could see he couldn't throw. And you know he wanted to be out there. You know he tried, and, and obviously the coaching staff wanted him out there, but he just couldn't do it. He just could not. He just could not throw the football with the elbow injury. Couldn't grip it. And you could see when he when he came back in after Josh Johnson was knocked out with a concussion. Uh, which, and listen, oh, I'll get to that in a second. When Josh Johnson was knocked out with a concussion, he just couldn't do anything. He just couldn't get the ball in the air. Those two defenses are two of the most physical defenses in the National Football League. And you saw them. They were, Bosa looked like, I mean, you go back to some 60s highlights of football, 60s and 70s, with the blood on the sock and the blood on the pants and the blood on the jersey. That's that's the way that's that's how football was played back in the day, right? You look at those old films, look at those old NFL films, and that's what you see, and that's how Joey Bosa played today. He was he was in there, but several defensive mistakes on his end and lack of communication allowed 
Eagles runners, including Jalen Hurts, to go around his side where he did not maintain containment. And we've talked about that a lot, right? We, we've talked about how you have to maintain containment on the sides for on the defensive line because once you move outside now, it, everybody is trying to get to the ball. It's it's tougher. It's easier for you to to keep them locked in in that area where you have an opportunity to make a play and get and maybe make a play for a loss. And so a couple of those plays hurt them. It was just it was just a really really tough day for the San Francisco 49ers. You feel bad for them. Yes, they're happy they got there, but listen, as you know in the National Football League, there's no guarantees. Doesn't mean you're going to get back there again. And who's going to be their quarterback next year? Obviously, you think it's Purdy, Trey Lance. I mean, they have an interesting situation out there. But uh, nevertheless, it's the Philadelphia Eagles headed to the Super Bowl. When we return, we'll get some thoughts on the NFL's most valuable player. Does it hurt Jalen Hurts because he missed some time? We'll talk about that next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. So let's take a look at some of these guys. Obviously, Josh Allen is in it, and this is based on the regular season. Doesn't have, Not about postseason, based on the regular season. So let's look at some of these stats, right? Josh Allen, uh, 300, was this, 359 completions. So he completed... Uh, 567 attempts, so he completed just over 63% of his passes, uh, just under 4,300 yards, averaged 267 yards per game, 35 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, was sacked 33 times. And so that's the stats on Josh Allen. And when you and when you look back at him, and he had some injuries during the season, so that obviously affects his play. But still, there just seemed to be even before you got to the postseason, right? It just seemed to be something that was different about Josh Allen this year. Now, many of you will say maybe it was Brian Dable not being there. Maybe it was just a situation where teams made adjustments because, I mean, you know, they really, when you look at Buffalo, they really struggle with more than to find a consistent big game receiver other than Stephon Diggs. They struggle. And so I think that hurt them. Did they do they have other players? Yeah, they got different people. They had a couple of tight ends to perform. Gabe Davis was big for them on the, in a couple of games. They've had some other receivers. But for the most part, it's really Stephon Diggs. And their inability to run the football consistently also made them kind of one-dimensional. I mean, really, when you think about it, Josh Allen is their most consistent runner. And with the injury and some of the plays and some of the decisions he had to make, listen, it, it was not a good year. Plus, defensively, you know, you lose Von Miller, different injuries on the defense, so it, it affected them. But that has nothing to do with the fact of, of passing. But just saying, I think, you know, Josh Allen did not have the type of year that we expected from Josh Allen. Now, listen, there's a bunch of teams who would love, including – at MetLife Stadium that would love to have a quarterback that threw for 4,200 yards right, and completed almost 64% of his passes. So I'm not, poo -poo, I'm not poo pooing that. I'm just saying that when you, when you reach 
very, very talented or MVP conversation status. It's because you're measured against yourself. And when you measure Josh Allen against some of the other years that Josh Allen has had, this year was not, you know, the same. There was something missing. So we'll see. Does it get him the MVP? I'm not sure. Joe Burrow is another MVP candidate. 414 completions of 606 attempts. He completed just under 69% of his passes, threw for... 4,475 yards, almost 280 yards per game, 12 interceptions, 41 sacks. <laughs> 41 sacks. I mean, wow. By the way, his QBR is 58.6. Josh Allen's QBR is 71.4. So Burrow, with an inconsistent offensive line, yeah, it is really amazing. And give Cincinnati credit for how that offensive line performed last week with three folks out. But you saw in the first half today, they struggle. And when you consider how Joe Burrow, how good he is, how he's able to overcome the concerns about his offensive line, how he had the courage to stand in there and take it, knowing that folks are coming right at you, knowing that you're going to get hit, knowing that you're going to get pounded. And still when you watch him and you watch his form and you watch how he throws the ball and ball placement, there were a couple in this first half that just reminded you just how good he is. And you know, to me, he's past Josh Allen in the AFC is who's the top quarterback in the AFC. He's, he's just moved right past him. He has. And his ability to stand in there and make the play. And once again, 35 touchdowns and only 12 interceptions is impressive. Considering that he's been sacked 41 times, which means that you're constantly on the move. You're constantly aware of the brush coming your way. You're constantly aware of what, where you have to go and where defenses are. And it could force some quarterbacks to quicken that clock and force the ball in and try to get rid of it too quick. But he's not done that. So give him credit. I think he is, I think he is a very, very close candidate, very good candidate to win the MVP. Jalen hurts. Who's going to the NFC, who's going to the Super Bowl. Had a really, really, really good season before he got hurt. Let's give you his stats. 306 completions, 460 attempts. Just, just under 67% threw for 3,701 yards, 246 per game, uh, 22 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Was sacked. Yeah, was sacked 38 times, which is a little high for me. If that's kind of surprising. Because of his ability to run the football, because of his legs, because of how he's able to move and change change positions, move and cut back and be shifty. I'm a little surprised that he got sacked as much as he did. But nevertheless, his transformation is the reason why Philadelphia is here. Yes, of course, the defense has been great. Yes, of course, you've got weapons. Brown, Walker, that crew, you've got you've got weapons, you've got great, really good running game. You have an outstanding offensive line when healthy. 
You have a great defensive line. You have a great team. But it's his ability now to be able to throw the football and not just rely on the run or him running that has taken this Philadelphia Eagles offense to the next level. He's the reason why they are in the Super Bowl. They were good last year, okay? Give Sirianni credit. He got him to the postseason in his first year, and now in the second year he's going to the Super Bowl. But it is that offseason transformation, the hard work of Jalen Hurts, understanding, improving his fundamentals, improving on throwing the football, improving chemistry with his receivers, getting the ball down the field, where he became a dual threat. That's what has helped Philadelphia offensively. And that's how they take that next level. Now, because of the team, I, I mean, he's MVP candidate. There's no question about it. And even though he was hurt, you saw how they played when he wasn't there. And that's that's what you count on, right? When the player's not there, how does the team respond? Clearly, the more talent you have, the easier it is to overcome injuries, right? That's clear. That's clear. But still, the Eagles were not the Eagles without Jalen Hurts, okay? Without Jalen Hurts. Kansas City goes four and out on their first possession in the second half, and now Cincinnati will get the football. The last person that we're going to talk about for the NF. Uh, for the NFL most valuable player that is a quarterback is a quarterback that's on the field now for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is Patrick Mahomes. And I think most people consider Patrick Mahomes as probably the best quarterback in the National Football League. He is going to be compromised today with the ankle and some of the, uh, you know, which takes away his mobility and some of the things that he loves to do. But let's give you his stats for the regular season. 435 completions under 648 attempts. He's completing over 67% of his passes. Threw for the most yards in the NFL, 5,250. 308 yards per game. 12 interceptions. uh, 41 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Was sacked 26 times. QBR of 77.5. He's phenomenal. And... You wondered how this offense would suffer without Tyreek Hill, with Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins, right? You were wondering. It had to had to take a hit. Had to take a hit. Well, it did. But still, he was able, with Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's help, to throw for over 5,000 yards. I mean, when you, when you look at some of the great offensive minds in the National Football League, Andy Reid is right there. He's right there. Andy Reid is right there for his ability to come up with different schemes, his ability to empower his quarterback and to make adjustments. When you have a, when you lose a home run hitter like Tyreek Hill, okay, that should ruin your offense. This guy could take the, ask the Miami Dolphin fans. Ask Gordon Damon. He'll tell you what Tyreek Hill meant to that went to his team. Just to even if, even if he doesn't catch a ball, the fact that he could catch one and game break at any moment, you have to defend him. You have to try to take him away and look for other folks in your offense. And so for Patrick Mahomes to be able to do what he did this regular season without Tyreek Hill, it was very impressive. Very impressive. I'll give you Justin Jefferson's stats when we return. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN.
You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We're having a conversation about the the Associated Press MVP award this season and four of the top five finalists are quarterbacks. The only person that is not a quarterback is, of course, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. And his numbers are pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good. Caught uh, passes for over 1,800 yards, averaging 14, a little over 14 yards per catch, eight touchdowns, long of 64, 106.4 yards per game, no fumbles, 613 yards after the catch. Okay, 613 yards after the catch. The only person in the top 10 of receivers who had more than that, top 10, top 10 was Travis Kelsey who had 648 yards after the catch because he's always open. (laughs) So that's why he gets over the yards, right? So from a, from a receiving standpoint, Justin Jefferson was the best in the league this year. And when we gave you the quarterback notes, uh, when we gave you the quarterback notes, Patrick Mahomes was the best. Out of all the folks, out of all the quarterbacks with his ability of what he was able to do for throwing and and touchdowns and everything else. So those are your top folks Uh, for the offensive player of the year is Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, We gave you their numbers. Uh, Let's look at the defensive players of the year, because I think um, there's only three. Now, let's come back to that. I want to come. Let me go to the comeback play of the year. Let me go to the comeback play of the year. Uh, the nominees are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Geno Smith. Now, I will say this. I believe for the MVP, NFL MVP, with all due respect to Justin Jefferson, I don't think, I think it's going to be a quarterback. I do. And, and I think it's it's either... It comes down to either Mahomes or Burrow. It comes down to either Mahomes or Burrow. And Mahomes, I think, has the slight nod. But I would not be surprised if Burrow got it because of what he's been able to overcome. And we talked about his his offensive line. We've talked about how good he's been. We've talked about his his play, his touchdowns. We've talked about his ability to hang in the pocket and do what needs to be done. And you know, he won a Super Bowl and is a game away from getting uh, back to the Super Bowl. So I think, you know, and I'm not talking about his performance in the postseason, but I'm talking about the way that he has led his team. So when you consider those two items, I just think that it's a it, it, it's a really it, it's a really interesting possibility, and he's got a very good shot at getting that done. And he. Uh, connects with T. Higgins for a touchdown, so we are an extra point away from having a tie game in the second half of the AFC Championship game. All right, let's take a look now. Let's look at Saquon Barkley's numbers. For example, as he is a member for the Comeback Player of the Year. Okay? And we're just I'm just going to give you the rushing numbers first, then I'll give you the receiving numbers. All right, so Saquon Barkley was fourth in the league in the regular season in rushing, 295 attempts, 
he recorded 1,312 yards, which is an average of 4.4 yards to carry. He had uh, 10 touchdowns and one fumble. And he averaged about 82 yards per game. Okay, that's the rushing side of it. Okay, and, and clearly we know what Saquon Barkley meant to that Giants offense. Okay, we understand what he meant. He was big time. Okay, he was big time. And was, you know, just a guy who um, helped Daniel Jones get that ball down the field until they found ways to incorporate other receivers. Okay, until they did that. So his ability to be a big part of that offense, his ability to give you touches, his ability to be available this year. And even though he missed a couple of games still, I mean, what he played 16 games. I mean, that's the most he's played in a while. So you love what he was able to bring to the table. Do I think it is enough for him um, to be comeback player of the year? I don't know. I think what hurts him, and I'll give you McCaffrey's numbers in a second. I think what hurts him is you've got a quarterback in that number. And I tell you, to be honest, I think Daniel Jones should be considered as comeback player of the year too for the way he performed this year. All right, here's Christian McCaffrey's numbers with San Francisco and Carolina. All right, he rushed for uh, 1,139 yards, an average of 4.7 yards per carry, long of 49. He also had eight touchdowns, average of 67 yards per game. And McCaffrey had one fumble, but he did not lose it. So I guess he recovered it. Saquon Barkley had one fumble, but I guess he recovered it as well. So those are the two, those are the two running backs involved. And obviously their passing numbers are big too. McCaffrey's big with in receiving. Saquon Barkley was very good in receiving. When you look at Geno Smith's numbers, 17 games, regular season, 399 out of 572 which is a completion percentage just under 70%, threw for 4,282 yards, 250, just about 252 yards per game, 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. He was sacked 46 times, QBR 60.7. And so he, I mean, his transformation was amazing. When you watched him this year, he did not look like the same quarterback. Now, understand that he has been able to learn on a bunch of different quarterbacks since he left the Jets. Right? He sat behind Eli Manning on the Giants. He's, he sat behind Russell Wilson in Seattle. And he's learned. He's gotten his opportunity. And he really performed well. Pete Carroll and the offensive staff there did a nice job of tailoring that offense to what he does best. Not asking him to do a lot. Scramble a little bit. Extend the play. Don't turn the football over. Which he didn't do. I mean, 30, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's, that's a more than two-to-one ratio. And touchdown to turnovers, that's more than acceptable. So I think that gives him a nod in the comeback play of the year voting. Just me, I think it does. 
because of his effect on that Seattle team. That Seattle team was not a playoff team. When you looked at that team on paper, that's not a playoff team. But he was able to will them in, and they were able to get in, even though they left quickly. <laughs> he still got them in the postseason, and that's something that nobody expected from Seattle. We'll continue the conversation on The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Like that might be another ankle. Mahomes is back on the field, so we'll keep an eye out on that. Speaking of the quarterbacks, 49ers Brock Purdy believed to have a UCL injury. So he'll undergo an MRI on his elbow. Hopefully will not need surgery. Uh, if it does, then he'll be, you know, out of pocket for a little bit, a couple of months. But, uh, you know, he'll be ready for training camp. But still, um, that's the reason. That's one of the reasons why. Yeah, you, you can see they're replaying it. I'm watching the replay of uh, Patrick Mahomes injuring, tweaking his ankle. And you can just see it's um, no matter how touch, how how tight you wrap it, <laughs> if you move the wrong way, it's going to give. No matter what you do, no matter what you do with it, that's what's going to happen. So we'll see if it, uh, you know, it's already curtailed him. You don't see him running. You didn't expect him to run. You expect him to be around the pocket. And that's the way he's been. Not a whole lot of those off-schedule plays that he loves to do. But he's got a big play here from he and uh, Scanlon on a big-time reception. All right, let's take you back. I know, and there's a lot on Twitter, and I have to agree. (laughs) I have to agree. Why is the Empire State Building in green? Because Philly won. I I just, I just, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Doesn't make any sense. All right. So let's go back to the NFC Championship. Uh, Let's hear from the 49ers. Okay, let's hear from uh, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach. And um, we'll start out with, and it just and I don't know what this is this is going to be an interesting answer. I do believe that that the coach is going to say, no, it didn't have any effect. We just go out there and, and play hard and no matter what the situation is or who's a quarterback or whatever. But it had to have kind of demoralized the team, especially on the offensive side, okay? Um, when he went out and then could not come back because everybody on the sideline had to know that he wasn't able to throw. So Kyle, Hans, Kyle Shanahan was asked, did your team feel numb after the Brock Purdy injury? Uh, I don't think we were numb. I think, I mean, guys were up for the challenge. You know, I thought our defense was playing real well. Um, you know, I, we felt Josh was going to go in there and execute our plan and give us a chance. Um, you know, that we, we got, I think it was 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, they went down. They got a number of those. They had that one long drive with all those penalties. Um, and then they got the 14-7, and um, we ended up having that fumble, which was 21-7. We felt confident coming out in the third quarter, but on that opening drive, we, we lost our last quarterback. And then after that, it was when we were inspired watching our defense and stuff, and we felt the whole time down two scores, we felt we could run the ball well enough and hopefully generate some stuff and hopefully get a turnover on the other side or something like that to give us a chance to come back. Um, but we didn't move the chains enough. And then once they got that third um, score, I believe, after the roughing the punter, uh, then it was real tough to catch up. See, I think that that fumble, 
which that fumble where Philly came down and scored, that really hurt them. That was a that was a that was a key play in this game. Now obviously, you know, you got the quarterback situation, but still, nevertheless, that was a key play because if they're able to move down the field and they either get a field goal or seven, if they either get make it what, 14-10 or, or tied at 14, it's a little different. It's a little different how you prepare. It's a little different mindset. But not only did you lose the ball, but they ended up getting it and scoring. And so that's that's a tough that, that, that was tough for them. So it ended up being 21-7. That was, you know, especially – and then, of course, you know, you're thinking, well, we got the ball coming out, so we're going to be okay. But it just was – it just it's a tough situation. Tough situation. Here's more uh, from Kyle Shanahan about uh, Brock Purdy's injury. What was just too painful for him to continue? No, yeah, he couldn't throw. Barely could do those screens. So uh, he wouldn't have gone back in unless we had to. Kyle, what was the team's emotions after this loss? Uh, I was, I mean, guys were pretty down in there. We um, we were really excited for today, and we really wanted an opportunity to play that team. And not to, they, they played great. Um, they did good things, but, um, you know, we wish we had a little bit better opportunity than we did today. Well, listen, you did the best you could with a situation where you lose your third and fourth string quarterbacks. I mean, who, how, how can you plan for that? Well, let's get our fifth-string quarterback ready because you may have them go. You can't, how, how? You can't plan for that. You can't. Let's hear from Brock Purdy. What did it feel like after you were hit on that elbow? You know, my arm just felt like it stretched out. Um, just felt like really a lot of just shocks all over from my elbow down to my wrist, front and back. Um, just pain, really, all over. How painful was it throwing? I've been throwing after the hit occurred on the sideline just to see where I was at. Um, but even in those throws, it was it was painful. And so um, I couldn't throw anything probably over 10 yards, five yards. So um, that's why we just had some screens. That was really our only option when I, when I went back in. What's the emotions of not going to the Super Bowl, Brock? It just hurts. It's um, I, I'm just so sad for the older guys, you know, Fred. Trent, George, um, Eric Armstead, everyone, all the guys that have been through this, you know, they, they've obviously been to the Super Bowl in 19 and then last year in the NFC Championship. And then for this to happen, it's in the first drive, really, of, man, like this is the kind of game we have to play after the first drive. And I'm just, I'm just frustrated. Um, but it's more sad for those guys than anything because they, they, they deserve to go, to win, and to win the whole thing. And so... When that happened, man, I just, I'm just more frustrated with that and, and sad for him. Yeah, it's a tough feeling. It's an empty feeling. I mean, look, it would have been a closer game. I think Philadelphia would have found a way to get through this. They've been really good all year. Things have broken their way in a number of situations. But 49ers defensively would, really would have, would have given them a really tough task. It would have been interesting. But it just wasn't meant to be. And so if you're Brock Purdy, hopefully you can, uh, according to our Adam Schiff, as I told you about the UCL nerve and the elbow, so hopefully he can, uh, you know, get back and they'll be okay for um, next season, which is the question that back to Kyle Shanahan. He was asked, can this loss, well, 
kind of fuel the team heading into next season? Yeah, always, but um, that has to do with how hard we work and the team we build and staying healthy and going back to square one and fighting through the offseason, fighting through a whole regular season and get into this moment again and hope we get a little bit better draw and hope we play a little bit better. Yeah, so, and hopefully you have, you know, a little better luck health-wise because that's really how you lost this game. There was no opportunity for you to uh, be able to win this game when you when your quarterback, by his own admission, cannot throw more than five or ten yards. You can't do it. There's no way. There's no way. All right, let's go into the winning locker room. Sorry, Giant fans. Here's Jalen Hurts on his emotion going to the Super Bowl. Man, we put a lot of work in to have this opportunity. You know, put a lot of work in to have this opportunity and to be here. And you know, it's a moment that we want to enjoy as a team. Um, Reflecting on everything that we've been able to overcome to have this opportunity in front of us, you know, we want to take advantage of it. You know, want to take advantage of it. The the, the atmosphere tonight was amazing. Um, the fans showed up, the energy, all of it. So we need to bring that to AZ. Jalen, what did the 49ers do well today? They played a really good game. Um, you know, they um, they have they have a really good coach. I've always talked about that. Um, he does a really good job with them, and uh, especially those guys up front. And then the linebacker core kind of rallied into the ball. Um, we, we, we ran the ball really well, and I think uh, they didn't really give us many opportunities to take shots down the field. Um, we had kind of some one-on-one shots and kind of hit or miss. Um, but we kind of took what they gave us um, and, you know, kind of kind of ended up being one of those games. So that's Jalen Hurts on what the 49ers did well, and uh... – you know, on the win against the 49ers. And, and listen, this was, uh, for the NFC, this was not the game we all expected, but nevertheless, this is what in, this is what happened. So San Francisco is going home. Philadelphia is uh, headed to Arizona, and we're waiting to see who they will play. Kansas City had a challenge on a pivotal fourth down play, and they were granted the first down after the review. So now they're trying to see if they can find the end zone and uh, move the ball. And, you know. Patrick Mahomes is one of the most, um, I don't know what, what, what would be a good adjective to describe him, but he is one of the most, uh, he's a guy that does such a great job on last minute adjustments to get the football out before he goes down. And we just saw it on the, on the play a couple of plays ago. Um, and now he's limping off to the sideline again. Um, his ability to just throw sidearm, to toss it, to, to shot put it, to do whatever it takes um, is just, it's just amazing. And what's so amazing about it is that it always seems to work, right? You've got players, his teammates understand it, his teammates know where to go. His teammates always seem to be in the right spot uh, for him to make these, these, I guess, these right off-schedule plays that he always seems to do. Now, this play here, it looks like his knee was down, so it should be a loss. I don't think, even though they advanced it, I don't think it's, you know, his knee is down. So Cincinnati has challenged it, so I think that's going to come back. That's going to be a loss of down. And they'll, you know, come back and try to tee it up again. And it was. It was not a first down, so it's third down. But, uh, you know, just his, just his thought process of 
I got to get rid of the football. He's always aware as to where his receivers are. He's always aware as to who can help him out. And, um, you know, what a pass. Great touchdown there to Scanlon again. Uh, what a great pass. Unbelievable place to Valdez Scanlon. Uh, right, right. Lower, he was the only one to get it. He was almost tackled. And even though he's not running, he still has that movement where he can just kind of massage the pocket a little bit, right? He just moves from side to side. He does a nice job doing that. And um, he's just he's a great quarterback. He's a great quarterback. He really is. It's nice if you can get one of those. <laughs> 11 plays, 77 yards. And Cincinnati is trying. Uh, Cincinnati is now trailing by the score of twenty to thirteen, but they have the ball. This is this is going to be one of those games, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you right now where uh, the last team that has the ball is going to be the team to win. And what would you expect? Nothing less. When we return, we'll take a timeout from football. Of course, we'll keep you updated on the scores, but we'll turn our attention to the NBA. Christian Winfield, who covers the Nets, will join us for the Daily News. We'll get his thoughts on the Nets and Knicks last night, what the Nets may do at the trade deadline as well. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, New York.